right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up, man. We're going to be speaking with one of our buddies today. So I've known, actually, you introduced me to this guy uh, several years ago. He is one of those guys, man. You talk about pulse on all things automobile, racing, uh, performance. Boy, this guy's got it nailed. <laughs> oh, he lives, breathes, and eats. Uh, yeah, I met Evan probably, oh, man, it's probably close to 20 years ago. Um, you know, photojournalist, magazine guy, you probably, if you've opened up, you know, any of the car rags over the last several decades, you have probably read hundreds of stories uh, from Evan Smith. I mean, he has just been, you know, one of those guys in the middle of every scene and everything cool, tracking it down, sharing it with the world uh, and giving us that, you know, that juice that we're looking for, uh, you know, on a daily kind of basis on, you know, what's out there, what's cool. Yeah, man. Uh, you can check out his YouTube channel, Revan Evan. He's one of those guys that, you know, I never forget one of the first things you said to me about him was when car enthusiasts and big people, you know, at big companies like Ford want a good time on their car they're about to release, want a, a good ET, a good 60 foot, a good eighth mile time slip. They call Evan. And I was like, really? He got that much sauce? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, think about the combo, man. This guy can wheel. He can dry the pants off a car. When we talk about drag cars, for sure this guy can lay down some awesome ETs. So when you've got a prototype or when you've got something that hasn't been released yet and you want to get it to the journalists to get those first articles out, man, this is the guy to go to because he's going to lay down a spanking good time and deliver the articles and the photographs and everything that goes with it, man. He's a one-stop badass car shop right there. You yeah, know? man. He's definitely one of the wizards behind the scenes that, you know, you're getting data, you're getting pictures, you're getting things, you know, a great analysis on cars, right? And, and a large part of that, especially in racing, right, is what are cars doing on the track? What's something that, 
you know, maybe the competition's doing well, something that he's doing. He's he's in the know in all of it, man. Uh, if that Toyota is coming off the ground and turn three off the coping two inches, he's going to know it, you know. Uh, if if a car's coming out of a, a, a turn and can somehow accelerate, you know, faster than, you know, uh, whatever brand he's racing or whatever car he's in that day, he's going to know it. Um, he's one of those guys that takes everything under consideration. And really, when you look at some of the, you know, some of the stories and, and avenues he's been able to show off his work and his skill and his driving, man, he's got across the board from hot rod to online to, you know, wait till you hear what he's, he's doing now. It's, uh, it's been a real automobile adventure for this guy probably since he was eight or nine. I'll ask him that. <laughs> well, it was the first time he got the, uh, the bug because he's been doing it every day since. Well, it's awesome to have him on because we can just tap right into the vein. You know, what's, what's the leading trend? Because right? he's in it right with the OEs and the racing scene, uh, the hot rod scene, you name it. Uh, he's got, you know, he's got the direct connection to, to what's happening and the insights there. So it's going to be fun, man. We can pick his brain on, you know, where do we think the industry's going, uh, styling points, uh, you name it, even his racing that he's been doing lately, uh, we can get a little update there and some Cobra Jet action. Sure. Uh, so this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, man, no doubt. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Evan Smith, Revan Evan joins the podcast with Kevin Bird, Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. We are back after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Ride Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We got Evan Smith, a.k.a. Revan Evan. On the line with his day during podcast. What's up, Evan? Thanks for the time, brother. Always cool catching up. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, we're good, man. We're good. All right. So what's new in the world of, of Evan, man? What are you, uh, let's say, job-wise, media-wise? What, what are you working on? What's your avenues? Oh, man. I've been pretty busy lately. There's all kinds of stuff going on. You know, the print thing isn't what it used to be, but we're bringing it back a little bit. I've been the editor of uh, Drag Racing Edge magazine for a little bit playing with that stuff. So still playing with the print stuff, but doing a lot of uh, online content, writing for uh, uh, holly.com and doing a lot of stuff with the NHRA with uh, still writing for national drag store. I write a tech column for them. And then my big thing is I've been really uh, lately putting a big push on my YouTube channel, which has just been like a little side thing, but I think it's time that I give it like the full, uh, the full shove and see if I can make that thing go and kind of do it all for myself on my channel. What do you mean give it the full shove? If I get on your YouTube, man, you got umpteen awesome videos in there. I mean, that seems like you've been shoving on this thing quite a bit. There's some excellent content in there. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, you know, I probably put about 20%, 30% of my working time into the channel. I'm very fortunate because I get to go to a lot of events and to see a lot of things. So I pick up some videos with my buddy, Abe Tang, who helps me out when we're out there doing it. But it's so much fun and I get so much good feedback that I think I want to maybe see if I can make that a full-time gig and still do some of the other stuff because I do enjoy the photography and I enjoy writing and I enjoy being out there at the track. 
But the YouTube thing is just so intriguing to me. And I, I think I'm going to put a little more effort into, into growing the channel. So tell us a little bit, because, you know, you've been way back when it was print, right? Um, and that was kind of one of the only outlets besides, you know, uh, cable television kind of thing. So, but obviously things have transitioned so much to the, you know, Instagram and Facebooks and YouTubes. And, and it went from just a few folks, you know, like Willie and I on, on cable TV with a cable TV show, being able to, you know, voice and show things and, and produce content to now anybody can. Uh, so there's like a bazillion people all, you know, obviously on the internet doing their thing. Um, how, how's that transition been? Cause I know we all cried many, many tears when the print business kind of went south and then all the talented folks like yourself, everybody went out there and, and, you know, creating and forging the new frontier. So what's your take on the frontier now that's been several years? Like what's your make of it and where do you think it's going to go? Well, first and foremost, yeah, it's, we all cried in our, in our, uh, soup because we love print magazines and, um, <laughs> I loved making the magazines. I still do. And it was just something special when you got that print magazine yeah, man. in your hand. There, there was nothing like it, you know? And I still, you know, when I see my byline in, in, a, in a magazine like Hot Rod Magazine or Drag Racing Edge or uh, National Dragster, there's nothing cooler. It's still cool. Nobody's ever come up to me and said, hey, can you put my car on the internet? Seeing it in print, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like, it's different. But- you know, the, the internet has been wonderful because it has, you know, it used to take a publishing house. So you had an investment of a building and people and, you know, uh, contracts with, with print, you know, publish, or, uh, print houses that actually physically made the magazines and a staff, blah, 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 to make this final product. Now, a 12-year-old with an Instagram can be famous and can produce really good content. Now, the downside is that there's some pretty crappy content out there. So you've got to weed through sometimes some bad content to get to good. But I guess that go, you know, there's been crummy magazines too. So I think it's awesome because it gives everybody a chance to go out there and express themselves and get a little piece of the pie, whether it's this cool stuff that you guys do you know, some people I follow, like Uncle Tony's Garage, he's doing it his way, crazy, fixing old Mopars up and stuff like that. Um, I got my channel, which is kind of a Ford-centric channel, but I do other types of content. My take on it really is I try to bring everything I did in the magazine to life on the web. So you can kind of jump in and see what I'm doing. And I'm even getting a little more comfortable with being on camera where I'm taking people a little more inside my life to places that we stop and eat and really giving them an experience when I go out and go do something. What is this trip like? Are we up at six in the morning? Who are we working with? What are we eating? And we'll see if that excites people. It's a completely different vantage point. Like you said, I mean, now you're getting totally different perspectives where it was this very polished and, you know, corporatized sort of, you know, filtering down whatever was coming out in, in terms of content uh, now it could be anything, anything, anywhere. Uh, and so you can start, like you said, you got to weed through a bunch of junk, but once you find those diamonds in the rough, right, you find, you know, channels like yourself and other content that, that, you know, is good. It, it's, it's, I don't know. There's so many different, uh, the spectrum has grown on the content that you can get and it can make it a whole lot more fun. 
Hey, and some of that awful, awful content is the funniest stuff. <laughs> Have you ever seen scooters behaving badly? Oh, my oh. God. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you, you do have to weed through it, but it does allow you certain avenues and, you know, allows you access that you probably couldn't have before just with print because everybody's got a phone, man. Everybody's on it. Look around you. I got friends coming over later to stare at their phones. I don't know about you guys. You're welcome, but everybody's doing it. Uh, everybody's just, they're called cell phones because we're all, you know, kind of trapped by them. Uh, so definitely it's, yeah. it's, they're there, man. So, you know, when you have content out there like that, it, it definitely aids in, in getting the word out. So what's some of the cool things you've been able to to bring to surface, to show everybody what are some of the cool events you've been at lately uh, that really surprised you? Well, last last weekend I was at, if you guys have ever been to the Gilmore Museum, I, I know uh, Kevin might be familiar with it because it's in Michigan. Yeah. And I got to go to the Gilmore Museum, which is just a fantastic facility. Uh, it's out near Kalamazoo. And Willie B, when I tell you, and Kevin will back me up on this, over 400 cars, all different types, on a, on a beautiful campus, in barns, in buildings, but top-notch stuff. Just the only way to describe it is maybe to Google it and, and check it out. But I did go to a, a Mustang car show out there, flew into Detroit. Ford gave me a Bronco, a new Bronco to cruise. So we did a little thing with the new Bronco. We checked out some restaurants, stopped by my buddy Brian Wolf's place and did some uh, dyno testing on a uh, little Godzilla action, a little 7.3 That'll be coming up on the channel. We did uh, some intake manifold testing that you'll want to see. Hey, can you give us some numbers, man? Can you give us any insight as to what that thing's making? Because everybody's talking about it. It's like, you know, it's like the thing, the pink elephant in the room. We're not talking about it, but we are talking about it. Everybody's kind of excited about that Godzilla engine and what it's going to make for Ford. I'll tell you anything you want to know. So right out of the box with uh, headers and a uh, cold air intake and a tune, they make about – 500 little over 500 horse which is just a bone stock engine and then uh the sky's the limit brian has had them up to 1650 horsepower with a whipple or a pro charger with a you know a built engine with you know good rods pistons crank so really anything in between on the channel we're building a 1968 mercury cyclone that we're godzilla swapping and brian is building us a uh like an 11 or a 12 to one motor naturally aspirated with stack injection. And we're going to be looking for about 700 NA horsepower on that one. Nice. Nice. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I should have sent you guys a picture of the, of the, of the injection. It's, I don't even want to put it on the car. I just want to put it on my kitchen table. Hey, hey, what do you think the limit is for that naturally aspirated? Like, like are we going to see bigger numbers out of that NA than we've ever seen out of any NA engine before? I don't know about any NA, any NA engine. It does have, like, pretty good cylinder heads. And, again, right now what you got to remember is we're talking about an engine that's utilizing a stock block and stock cylinder heads. So, yes, they're ported, but stock casting. So, I think as we see um, – Aftermarket heads come out, the numbers will really go sky high, but probably 900 is, is a good number right now on an on a wow. all-out NA build. Nice. Wow, dude, that is crazy, man. With, nice. And remember, you got to remember, show, show me an LS or another engine that's doing 900 NA with stock, a production cylinder head. Yeah, you, you can't. No, -uh. 
No, and, and like you said, I mean, because the <laughs> cylinder heads really where all the magic happens. And if you can unconstrain the OE constraints, you know, take off those shackles, um, man, you can start to make some more magic happen. Uh, that uh, and I hope, I hope, because the timing, yep. right? Uh, Ford came out with its engine right as IC's kind of doing a plunge. Now, of course, they're going to keep making that thing. I think for a while with the trucks. Um, but it's not going to proliferate the same as the LS, where the LS is in everything. So I'm hoping uh, there's just enough momentum, yep. given the timing that they released it and the whole world and where we're headed, that thing can just kind of carry. And like you said, you know, aftermarket companies latch on, new cylinder heads, manifolds, cams, all that just keeps on flowing. Uh, and that thing has a super long life. Because, man, if you think about the, the challenges with Fords, either they're too small uh, displacement or just too big on the size, right? With a dual overhead cam motors, uh, um, you know, this thing drops into probably everything oh, yeah. and makes insane torque and power. Well, the person asked, we have on our podcast right now. Um, what? Ev Evan, do you think that that is something that Ford will hold on to for a number of years? Do you see a bigger production number than what most people are expecting out of that? Where does that go? Yeah, because, you know, they're talking about making that smaller 6.8 version of it for smaller trucks. And again, it's really a truck engine, but it does have, if I didn't say truck engine, Willie B, and I just said, all right, 445 cubic inches, 217 intake valve, 60 millimeter roller cam, six bolt main, skirted block, you'd think race engine, right? Absolutely, 100%. Who doesn't? So, I mean... It's got a lot of DNA for racing and Ford's putting them in F-250s like crazy and big trucks. So I think it's going to take a little more time to like to prolifer uh, proliferate like the like Kevin said. But I think the bones are there and the engines are there and the amount of aftermarket companies that are jumping on board is insane. Companies are coming out of the woodworks making stuff. Jessel just came out with a belt drive. So what does that tell you? Yeah, that tells Jeez. you a lot. Yeah, man. I mean, Oof. seriously, bro. Uh-huh. Yeah, when you throw a belt drive uh, and, and what it takes to, you know, make that whole system work and mods, uh, it means you're serious. And another now I'm sure they're talking to other players, too. Oh, yeah. There's, That's going to be interesting. four or five companies making oil pan kits. You got um, Indie Power Products makes an entire front engine dress that narrows the whole scope of the, um, of the FIAD. By a, by a few, quite a few inches, so to fit in street rods or anything like that. Well, it's the, it's the only thing Ford's got. It's the only thing really, you know, like like you said, the you know the overhead cam deals. It makes it too wide, so that makes you know just a lot of applications out of the question without a massive amount of fab work. But here's something you could drop into, like we were talking any application, any old school muscle car, and all of a sudden, man. Dude, not only does it bring it up to, you know, modern standards, but surpasses in a lot of ways. So I think that's a big, a big sort of, you know, feather in the cap for Ford. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Mopar and, and Chevrolet going to hold on to at least one as well as we kind of transition into more battery, you know, powered things. But they'll hold on to that because it's everything we've always wanted uh in, in a package that you know we can go get you know it's like it's there if you want that power go snatch it up oh yeah yeah why don't we take a quick break man because there's a little bit more i'd like to to pick on this one and of course evan's got a wealth of stuff that we're going to dive into so uh take us out willie and we'll come back here in a couple of minutes and some rally up the fun yeah man if you're 
If you ever wanted uh, to get your car maybe in a magazine, he's got a few pointers I'm sure he could share with you since he was there for so long. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. It is Two Guys Garage Podcast. More Evan Smith, Reverend Evan, here in just a minute. It's Willie B, Kevin Bird, and we're back after the break. It is Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We got Evan Smith, a.k.a. Revan Evan. Check out his YouTube channel. He's on with us, man. And I got to tell you, picking his brain about that Ford contribution to all those hot rodders out there. Got a few Ford folks um, drooling a little bit, salivating at, at some of these numbers and some of these predictions and the aftermarket support, which is key. So, yeah. So you got all kinds of companies jumping in. I mentioned Indy Power Products on the Godzilla 417 Motorsports, Jessel, Callie's, uh, Brian Tooley, who's a known LS guy, literally just came out with an intake manifold. So, I mean, if that's not the writing on the wall, then I don't know how else to spell it. Yeah, I mean, from the racing world, I think that's is almost a given. When you got that kind of displacement, you can make that kind of power. I mean, that, that, that should just absorb it right up. And then on the hot rod scene, as we talked about, you know, you haven't had, let's say, the best options in the Ford. So how many, you know, hot rods, restorations, Broncos, you name it, are, are sitting out there that would love to have that motor, right? That's a huge, huge market. Now it's small because you don't have the, you know, think LS, you don't have a Corvette, you don't have a Camaro, you don't have, you know, all these variants of vehicles to throw, you know, intakes on throttle bodies and stuff for the aftermarket. But every one of the old swaps, Every one of the old swaps, it's hard to argue why that wouldn't be the one you'd go to. Oh, you got the cubic inches, you got the torque. If, if I was an off-road guy and I had a, a Bronco or an old uh, F-Series truck, what? there's not a better engine to have. No. Uh-uh. And, and for a lot of those, you don't need a blower. So it just makes it so much simpler, right? And probably a lot cheaper uh, to do a, just a huge big inch in a motor with all that displacement and torque. Yeah, uh, and then of course, you know, the racer guys then throw on that stuff and make <laughs> insano power. Woo, man. Oh, no doubt. And there's, there's blower kits for it already. If you did want to throw the boost on there, I know there's a bunch of F two fifty guys that have put whipples <laughs> yeah. on them, pro chargers and cause you can never have enough. Yeah, horsepower. Absolutely. Well, you know, what's cool too. There's so much momentum in swaps, right? Swaps over the last 10 years has just become, the norm it used to be like, oh my God, you swap, you swapped an engine that that's mind blowing. But now it's like, whatever, absolutely. You don't have a swap. It's almost boring. So think about all these companies that have saddled up to support every other version of swap, right? All they got to do is just turn a little bit over this way and, and, you know, make the same motor mounts and headers and other little key components to make the swap for these uh, seven threes. The Godzilla is just like falling off a log, you know? Yeah, like I said, we're putting one in a 1968 Mercury Cyclone and doing a loosely based Wood Brothers clone car. Nice, nice, man. You got to keep us updated on that project. That sounds cool. Yeah, we're using, we're using all the height suspension in it. Um, got a Tremec six-speed. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, man, that's, that sounds cool to me. Um, I, look, I'm sure you're capable, but if you need another driver, man, just, you know, you got my number. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of things, man, I wanted to ask you since you spent so much time in the magazine world, you still love it, still talk to so many people in that industry. Everybody wants to get their, want to get, you know, at one point wants to get their car to magazine. You know, it's something you dream about, you always wish, uh, whether it's just a little snapshot with a single photo, uh, heaven forbid, a whole story on it. How does a person like you um, 
you know, sort of relay to uh, people that might be listening uh, a couple pointers. How, can, can you give them a, maybe one, two, three? Here's something that you should do. Here's how you should approach it. Um, here's who to write or who, how to apply. Or here's something that people are looking for. Like, what are some pointers you give people that are trying to get their car noticed? All right, man, that's, that's not a hard question at all. So the first thing I would do is check out what your favorite magazine is, whether it's Hot Rod Magazine, um, Drag Racing Edge, or whatever magazine it might be. There's still Mopar Action is still out there. There's still a lot of good books on the shelves. Check out. Hey, my car was just in that I magazine. know, I checked it out. I get it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, first what? thing I would do is, is contact the editor. Get some good quality pictures of your car. Or talk about, you know, why you should be featured. Is it a technical aspect that you want covered or, or a car feature? And email the editor. And just be direct and, you know, tell them you're interested. You have a cool car. Why, why is it different? You know, if you got a 1970 Roadrunner and it's blue and that magazine just ran three blue Roadrunners, you're probably not getting in. But have something a little different. Have a unique story. <laughs> I always went for the folks when I was editor of Muscle Mustangs. I always liked the human interest side, human interest side, because there's so many cool cars out there that you could literally handpick any one of them and it's a great story or you can do great photography. But I liked writing about people who maybe they had some hardships or why is their story interesting? Are they a veteran in the military or, you know, was, why was, why are they interesting? What was their road to, to building that car? What, you know, what drove them to do that? Where's the passion come from? And that to me was always more interesting than the car itself. A lot of times anyway. Yeah. Human interest, man. The story aspect of it is always a great way uh, to make people really read the story and, and learn the car as opposed to looking at pictures. Uh, anytime you tell that story, it's got to be a little bit more involved for the consumer, for the reader. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be a sob story or, you know, a story of woes or anything that could be, you know, you might have lucked in, you won a lottery and you bought your dream car. I mean, but it's got to be some kind of compelling story for the writer to tell, in my opinion. So on the other end, what do people do as far as mistakes, uh, you know, when they approach an editor to get their car in the magazine, uh, whether it's the car themselves or, or anything else? You know, where do you kind of go? Oh, man, you kind of you missed it here. You missed it there. Well, first and foremost would be having like an unfinished car unless the goal is that it's unfinished per se, because back in the day, it was all about the fresh paint and having something unique and having a clean interior. But now with like, you know, the patina look, it's more, it's not so much about that because you might have the ugliest thing you've ever seen, but it's quote unquote patina and it's cool as hell. Let's face it, right? Like there's some beat up cars out there that run the number they got a great story. I met a guy at, uh, I was on, I went to that sick week. I don't know if you guys saw that sick week event that Tom Bailey. Yeah, yeah. 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 And there was a dude with like a 55 Chevy wagon with an LS with nitrous with a stick. And he was racing with him. It was just him and his kid, you know, like probably like a teen, early teenage kid. Um, and it, the two of them were just having the best time ever. The kid would back him up after the run. And, you know, the car was old and beat up, but, it was running 10 flat with a stick on a small tire. And to me, that, That's would, getting it, dude. that would make a great story. But to answer your question, the first thing would be, would be you know, have a, have a completed car of some sort. Don't tell the editor, my car is going to be done in six months because everybody's car is going to be done in six months. 
Um, yeah, mine too. That's amazing. It, it's so true. You're so not going to believe it. Yeah. Or don't ask the editor to help you finish build the car because they're getting that a hundred times over and your story is the same as everybody else's. The other thing is, as, as I'll say it as politely as possible, don't be a you know what. Um, you know, d don't be demanding and tell people because there's a lot of ego out there. And, you know, certainly uh, I've seen humble and I've seen people come up to me and tell me my car has to be in your magazine. And, you know, that's, that's an immediate turnoff. You know, that's, that's, that's like telling somebody, uh, you know, they have to do something and nobody likes to be told what they have to do. So, <laughs> well, you, you pointed out a minute ago, you have, you know, the pick of the litter. There are so many great cars, right? And so many of them, you know, any one of them could be a great story. So, sure. you know, if you just come and, and be a, you know, an a-hole, I mean, why would you pick that guy when you could talk to this cool dude over here with a cool story, an equally cool car? Right. And then, you know, I think it relates to the magazine you're trying to get in. If it's, if it's like when we did Muscle Mustangs, the whole Mustang, Fox Body, late model hobby, a lot of it was bolt-on stuff, you know, and, and it drove the aftermarket. And there was nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to get in Hot Rod Magazine, don't don't show up with a new Camaro with shorty headers and a Magnuson and a set of aftermarket <laughs> wheels because you everybody has that. what you know you might want to have fabbed something yourself on the car or the whole car where it's going to draw the interest of the editor and the readership. So understand your readership, you know, who's going to be reading about you. And that also goes true for a lot of the web stuff because there's a lot more web outlets than there are print outlets. So, you know, you might want to have it, you know, whether it's a competition plus.com or the NMRA NMCA with race pages and fastest streetcar. There's a lot of places to get yourself exposure. If you, if you know what you're looking for. So quick question, um, you know, if, if an uh, editor sees somebody's vehicle in another magazine or online somewhere, does that preclude them from being included in, let's say, yours per se? Personal choice on the editor. That honestly never really bothered me. Um, we've covered a lot of cars over the years that were covered by other people. Um, if it makes a great story and I think I can tell it better than the person before me, then I'm going to go ahead and do that. So that, that never really bothered me. It does bother some people, but that never really bothered me. Okay. So you don't have to prioritize and go to the, your favorite one first and get denied and then go to your second one. Just kind of throw the seeds out and see what, I'd, what I'd grabs. Lay it, I'd lay it right out there and see who bites. Right on, right on. That's <laughs> good advice. The worst somebody could tell you is no. And in the end, you still have your car and you built if you're building a car like we all we've all seen the cars that get built for SEMA or built for a magazine and then they go up for sale. That's a huge turnoff to me. I, I just I, I stick I hang on to cars. I have trouble selling them Me too. because I love it. if I'm going to buy a car and go through the trouble to obtain it. It's because I really want it. Um in fact, I just bought a 1971 Mercury Cyclone wagon. Ooh, that's right cool, on. man. That's yeah. cool. It's got a it's got a Cleveland and a four speed in it. Oh, cool. And it's ugly green. Wow. Nice. Nice. That that's bizarre, man. A bizarre is in nowadays. So yeah, good score on that one. <laughs> oh, it gets it people love it because it's got the rear face and rear seat. It's got a four speed, so it's got Magnum five hundreds. It's slow as can be. But it's just so unique and cool that everybody loves it. Yeah, man. 
I had an old uh, 64 Ford Ranch uh, Galaxy wagon and uh, back facing seat, really cool little side trim on it, side package on it, torque thrust. It just couldn't get out of its own way. It had three on a tree and like a, you know, tiny little 280, whatever it was in there, man. It, it was rough on it, but it, it, man, it was such a cool, cool car. 289, you're such a Mopar guy. Yeah, man. It's like, yeah, it's gutless, man. It's like a herd of turtles. It was awful. <laughs> well it's cool I, I think we you know you mentioned before the you know whether it's patina or anything else we've really opened the window up of what is fun in cars you know it used to be so hyper focused on a first gen camaro or a 57 chevy or whatever um but you know everything between the rat rods the the patina stuff the wagons i mean you name it uh it's it seems like the 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 car world has really opened up to people's different characters, you know? Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, let's face it, the the 70 Cudas, the 70 Chevelles, the 69 Camaros, I mean, they're, they're getting priced out right now. And even the 80s cars are starting to go crazy. Uh, you know, Fox mm -hmm. Body Mustang, a 93 Cobra, not an R, uh, just a 93 Cobra, sold for like eighty or $90,000 the other day. And then... You know, some basic clean Fox bodies are in the 20s and $30,000 range. You know, that used to buy you, you know, a lot of a really nice GTO. <laughs> right. Well, people's talent and skills have really grown because right when those, you know, tier one, tier two cars are too pricey, you know, people fall back onto a, you know, tier three or four or way down the list. Uh, but, you know, when they drive them kind of bone stock, I mean, they're not really that exciting, but people have learned how to turn them into something cool. You know, whether it's the right stance and wheels, uh, you know, just changing stuff up, moving them around, and really turning them into something new. So it's not just a blah, whatever leftover car that, you know, you could afford. It's that, but it's got your personality to it and your sweat equity into it and your vision into it. And I think a lot of those things are really awesome. I love seeing what people bring to the table, especially the obscure ones that they, they sort of pull it out of the dirt. You know, they take a car that you would have just walked by and you go, dude, thumbs up, man. Cool right? job. Oh, totally. Especially if you get something running that was like previously not running and you just can get it going again. That That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. no doubt, man. For well, sure. The old iron's got such cool persona to it. It's got looks, personality, different colors. You know, everything's mechanical and there's something cool and unique about that. Um, the simplicity is what drives, I think, so many people towards them because, you know, cars today are computers with wheels and those cars seem so much simpler. Um, they're, they're just kind of iconic, whether they're, you know, the crazy green color that you just got or a, a, an off blue, um, you know, just unique and, and cool and styling points, something you never see. And that draws a lot of people towards them. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I definitely got, you know, tired of the you know, go way back that just everybody chasing a Boyd Toddington kind of car, you know, like that's all you see is yeah. just the paint job and the billet and the whatever else. Now it's just, it's so open, so open uh, to what you could bring to the table and bring your own level of cool. Absolutely. Hey, Evan, how do people find your YouTube channel? Where do they go to find you uh, on social media? Give us the ins and outs. All right. So Instagram, I'm official Ford guy with two underscores. Uh, I'm all over Facebook. If you can follow, if you want to follow me there, just Evan Smith and then Revan Evan on YouTube, which is R E V A N Evan. Just, it's like uh, my name with an R in front of it. There you go, man. 
Simple, easy. Go check him out, Revan Evan. I suggest that for sure. Follow him on Instagram. He's always got cool stuff there. Uh, and follow our show. It airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend Plus, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Mr. Revan Evan Smith. Dun, dun, dun. He, needs, he needs a band. Uh, he needs theme music in the background. Uh, that's my man, Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. Producer Scoop, exec producer Bob Ecker. And don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Check us out on social. We're everywhere Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Two Guys Garage, the Two Guys Garage podcast. It's a copyright 2022, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Evan, always fun to catch up with you, bro. Oh, thanks. I was going to ask you, what are you going to do for the drivetrain in that, that big station wagon you just picked up? I don't know yet. I might just leave it alone because right now it's got a Cleveland and a top loader. And there's okay. something. That's a cool combo, man. It is. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I've driven those cars with a Tremec, with a five speed or a six speed. There's just something cool about that big, long throw with the top loader. It's yeah, real dude. mechanical feeling. I don't know. Because it. If you do anything, you got to put about 500 horsepower on it to make it even feel fast. Right. So, I don't know. I might just leave it. It runs so good. It doesn't overheat. You could drive it anywhere. I kind of like just want to leave it alone until we at least finish this other car. Yeah. There you go, man. There you go. You know? Yeah, at least get some miles on it. Enjoy that before you, I'll you know, bring, I'll change bring it into it, something else. When you guys are down, I'll bring it by the show. You guys will crack up. It does good burnouts, it. though. It's got posi. Nice. <laughs> nice dude i love me a good wagon man love a wagon yeah wagons are they're just stupid cool yeah if i could only get one approved by my wife uh, it's it's a lifelong journey my wife won't even sit in it she yep. hates that's mine <laughs> every wagon i've ever shown her nope it's just it's that fast nope uh-uh but what about nope <laughs> oh she she gave me the she gave me the Heisman on going in that thing. She's like, I'm not riding. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hi, we'll bro. catch up See with you buddy. soon, brother. All right. Bye-bye. All right, gang. We are out of time, man. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We'll have to catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.